Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, my ransom, my ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to read four verses. We're going to let God speak to us. And then hopefully we're going to respond in the right way. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one, who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Have to Know Him to Tell Others About Him. Pray with me. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. And God, I pray even now you'd reveal yourself all the more, God, by your spirit from your word. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me to say only the things that would honor you. And I ask you to let us hear from you today. Speak to your children, God. We need you this hour in Jesus' name. Amen. We have to know him to tell others about him. I, I want you, if you call yourself a Christian, I want you just to take, take a moment and just ask yourself, how well do you really know him? See, the old, the old songwriter said, and he walks with me and talks with me and, and tells me I am his own. The, the, old, the old hymn said, I, I need thee every hour I need thee. Uh, some people only think about God on Sunday. Listen, what you only do on Sunday, you, 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 you ain't really deeply ingrained in it. Imagine if you only started using the bathroom on Sunday. Uh, you wouldn't really be successful at, at, at holding your body together. Imagine if you only drank water or ate on Sunday. It, so, some people, listen, some of y'all know, because there's some people in the room right now that know what it means to, to care about something. People who only watch football during the playoffs or only watch the Sunday uh, afternoon game, how many of y'all know that ain't real football fans? Real football fan watches nine hours of football on Sunday, then watches Monday night football, then watches Thursday night football, and if there's a Friday game playing in London, they're going to watch that too. And they know the stats. I, I, I run into these people. They'll be like, oh, uh, they, they find out I'm a fan of a team, and they want to pick the opposing team. And they're like, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of so-and-so. Oh, really? Who's their quarterback? You know, I hadn't followed it that good. Oh, shut up. 
you just told me you're a fan of so-and-so and you don't know who the quarterback is, people find out I'm a Boston Celtic fan. They love to tell me, oh, I'm a Laker fan. Really? Who, who, who's the shooting guard for the Lakers? Uh, tidbit, it ain't Kobe Bryant no more. And if the only person you can name off the Laker team is Kobe Bryant, let me tell you something. He's not in the, in the building. You ought to know something about what you say you know something about. The apostles knew what they knew. So they were able to tell other people. But they knew that the other people didn't know what they didn't know that they didn't know. How many of y'all know that people that don't know what they don't know don't know? Ain't nothing more aggravating than trying to talk to somebody that don't know what they don't know. See, me and you can sit down and talk basketball all the time because I'm an old man that knows a lot about basketball. You're a young man that plays great at basketball. But do you realize the average people in this room, they can't talk basketball with us. They, they Listen, I, there's not, I don't think there's 10 people in this room that even know who Lou Alcindor is. You don't know. How you going to be a, a 50-year-old black man? How old are you, Rayon? How you going to be a 50-year-old black man that don't know who Lou Alcindor is? But I thank God for you because you made my point. You above all people, even culturally, even gender specific, ought to know who the list. Everybody wants to say Michael. Everybody wants to say Kobe. Everybody wants to say LeBron. I'm going to tell you what. Lou Alcindor, they changed the rules for this man. They outlawed dunking in college because he was on. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, prior to his Islamization, was Lou Alcindor. They can't talk all that way. He, he couldn't, me, me, we couldn't go to lunch today and take Ray on and sit there and have a good conversation about basketball. We'd have to talk about longshoremen stuff. We'd have to talk about construction stuff. Uh, but to say that you love something, see, he said it, and, and he made my whole sermon for me. We can quit right now. He said, I'm not a sports fan. Praise, okay, well, that explains it all. But when I talk to a Christian, and they don't have five verses of Scripture memorized, and they can't tell me much less than anything about Jesus Christ, you know what they ought to say? I'm just not a God fan. We got people claiming Christianity that don't, even, don't, don't know it. Now listen, if you know that you don't know, at least you're rationally put together. Because there's nothing more, there's nothing more uh, just crazy than trying to talk to somebody that don't know what they don't know. You imagine, you, you get somebody, back, back when Elder Jimmy uh, was, was running the fence company every day, could you imagine hiring somebody that claimed they knew everything about the fence company, and you get out there and they don't even know the difference between uh, a 4x4 four four and a fence panel? You're like, go grab me a 4x4, four four. and they pick up a big old six-foot panel fence and bring it to you. They don't even know that they don't know what they don't know. That's a frustrating dude to be around. If you know that you don't know about God, you can learn about God. But if you don't know what you, listen, be realistic about what you don't know about. If I started talking about higher math right now, if we started breaking down the mean, the median, and the mode, if we started talking about trigonometry or calculus, if we went into astrophysics, uh, it, you, most of y'all would be willing to say immediately, uh, uh, miss me with that. That's not my thing. 
I don't, I don't you, you know, if I, if I started asking you what's the second law of thermonuclear dynamics, well, if we started talking about everything being in a state of decay, you miss me with that. So you know that you don't know. But there's something that the devil has done to the body of Christ to cause people to not know what they don't know even when they don't know it. Oh, I know the Lord. Uh, okay, well, describe him to me. Okay, uh, let's just pull out paper and pen right now and see how many verses you can write down. He only gave us one book to read. Listen, if, let me, let me show you how easy it is to memorize. People are like, well, you don't have to memorize scripture to be saved. No, you don't. But if you read it enough, it'll just become a part of your fabric. Watch, watch, watch me tell you the truth. There, there was a guy named, uh, he, he, he wrote weird stories about, uh, Creatures and cartoons. Uh, he he wrote about green eggs and he said, "Sam, I how y'all know all that? You you can't tell me five facts about a holy God that you say you gave your whole life to, but you can know who Sam I am is." And I thank God for the young people in the room. They're like, "What the world? Sam? Who? <laughs> you got to know who he is. He has given us a commission." It's a mission for us to be on, but it's also a commission that he is on with us and we are on with him to go and tell the whole world about God. Man, you can't, you can't, tell, you can't tell a lot about somebody that you don't know that great. See, here's the reality. I told y'all. I, I, I already picked out Craig, told, told y'all he's a great basketball player. Y'all don't know, most people in the room outside that row don't know anything about him. I, I can just make stuff up about him right now, you know. Did, did, did a four-year bit for triple murder uh, in Jersey. And uh, what, what are y'all going to say? Well, you know, that's how we do. You, what, I, I can make up anything and say it, and you, and you don't know. But I can tell, I could go row by row. And I can tell you something about everybody on in, in this room, e even if all I told you about them was the color clothing they're wearing right now. Some of y'all could tell people some, a few things about me. He's <laughs> crazy. So, some of y'all could just describe me to somebody. I could talk to y'all. Uh, I, I, I love Wayne. I see him here in the Chiefs. Man, I, I'm, I'm pulling for your Chiefs, man. I'm tired of people saying they ain't got it this year. Uh, let me tell you who don't have it this year. Y'all ready? Here comes the hate, Wayne. You ready? Protect. You're you, you, you going to fight these people off me, ain't you? You ain't going to let them kill me on this day. All right. Let me tell you who, who, whose year it ain't. I've been hearing all these people say whose year it ain't because I've been on that, on that chief bandwagon. They're not my team, but I'm on that bandwagon. See, at least I can admit when I'm on a bandwagon, you bandwagon front runners. Let me tell you who, whose year it ain't. The Eagles. <laughs> Whew, I, could, I could talk to you. I, I, I could tell you some things uh, of, about Wayne, including his name and which name he chooses to go by that most of y'all don't even know anything about. And I could do that with a lot of y'all. I could say some surface things about most people in this room. But if it came to telling you about my sister, there's no, I, I can tell you everything about my sister. 
I can tell you everything about her childhood. I can tell you everything about her adolescence. I can tell you everything about her teenage years. I can tell you about her her uh, her great marriage. I can tell you about her children and her grandchildren. I could talk to you about my sister forever. And I'd be happy to talk about my sister. She'd been my hero, my role model since I was born. I could brag on my sister until all y'all got up and left. Why? Because I know her. I've seen her. I, I've, I've, this is funny. They talk about we, in, in the King James, it says we've handled with our hands the, the, the word of life. I put my hands on her in, in, in hugs and in fightings. Shame on me for that. Dina used to be Dina used to be the bully in the neighborhood. She used to beat people up that picked on her little brother, and they used to pick her first and tackle football. Over not just me, that was shameful enough. Over every guy in the neighborhood. Red Rover, Red Rover, y'all don't remember that? Oh, we be picking up teams. Uh, everybody knew who D Dina Becker was first picked on Red Rover. I want Dina. Hey, Dina was a gymnast. She was. A, she took tap ballet. She took horse riding, jumping horses over the little gates, fences that they put up. They call them gates. They ought to call them fences. Uh, well, when Dina came running at you to tumble, she was like, you know, she was a gymnast on a gym mat. She was a cheerleader. She could do all. Listen, I could tell you stuff about my sister. I was, I was probably five years old. Uh, just as proud of my sister then as I am now. Uh, she's always had to, you know, grin and bear me when I stood up in the middle of a uh, uh, whole uh, auditorium full of people in a little in a little kid's uh, beauty contest, and and my sister walked out there to do her thing, and there I was, young and loud, still, and well, the loud, and I stood up and screamed, "That's my sister in the beauty contest." Oh, she's been having to deal with me for a minute, all 60 years. What am I telling you? You ought to be able to talk to people about God the way you talk, are able to talk about the people that you say you care the most about. You ought to be, listen to me, mama, grandmama, you ought to be able to talk about Jesus to the same level of joy knowledge, intimacy, and passion as you talk about your grandchildren and your children. This is what John is saying, and I love the Apostle John. I mean, he got a special place in my heart. He was the best friend of the Lord Jesus Christ when Jesus was on the earth. You ought to know this about Jesus. If somebody would ask, if I'd asked y'all to write it down before I started, and I said, write down the person who was the best friend of Jesus while he was walking this earth 2,000 years ago. How many of y'all know not everybody in the room would have wrote down John? Because <laughs> nobody raised their hand. Me, me and Elder Keon, the, the two people in the room that know for sure, uh, raised their hand. All the rest of y'all like, well, I didn't know, but I ain't raising my hand. I'm Baptist. I don't raise my hands in church. Listen, you need to know some stuff about him. John was so close to Jesus, he's the one that uh, laid his head on the shoulder of Jesus at the Lord's Supper. 
He's the one everybody else was jealous about. He's the one that when Peter, who was the leader of the group, how many of y'all know the leader ain't always the most liked person in the room and probably not going to be the most liked person in the room. Great coaches are seldom loved while it's going on. I watched a documentary uh, about the 72 Dolphins, and uh, they, they, were, they were all at Don Shula's house uh, 10 years ago, and they had all the players that were still alive. Now, that's the only team to ever go undefeated and win the Super Bowl in the same year, the 1972 Miami Dolphins with Don Shula as their coach, the winningest all-time coach ever. Just for those of y'all that don't know, Bill Belichick just got fired by the New England Patriots, and he's 150 years old and ought to retire. But here it is, prophetic words. He's 15 wins away from passing Don Shula as the all-time winningest coach. He's going to take some team uh, eight and nine for the next two years and, and then retire. But they all sat down, and they interviewed these guys, and they're like, oh, I hated Coach Shula. I hate, the, the one that was the funniest, and I know you'll remember, I don't know how many real sports fans in the room, I, I know Elder Jimmy can relate. You might not know if I just said number 22, Mercury Morris, thank you. I, know, I knew I could count on you. Uh, the, what's the first name? His mama didn't name him Mercury. He was fast. They called him Mercury. That's Eugene Mercury Morris. So I know about the 72 dollars. But anyway, so they put the microphone in Mercury Morris's face. Now think about this, 1972 America. Now, if you're stuck in that modern brainwashing that black people ain't come far since 1972, I know two things about you. You didn't live in the South in 1972, and, and you're just ignorant. Because it was a whole different world for Mercury Morris in white America in 1972. You don't believe me? Look, look, at, what, look at what Hank Aaron said on April 8, 1974, when he hit home run number 715 to overtake white Babe Ruth as the all-time home run leader in America, and, and listen to him tell stories about what it was like being a national figure in white America in the early 70s. But anyway, Mercury Morris was one of the, he was the original. You remember number 56 for the Dallas Cowboys, Thomas Blank Henderson. What's the blank? Hollywood. Rayon, if you just said Hollywood, we're going to have some problems. Oh, that uh, Wayne, okay, I figured that. Uh, <laughs> See, see, what am I saying? Y'all know some stuff that most people don't know about stuff that most people don't know about. Why is the church so ignorant about Jesus? But Mercury Morris, he didn't like his teammates, and he hated Coach Shula. Why? Because Coach Shula was hard on him. And if you got a soft spot, listen, if, if, if I'm hard on white Joyce, she can say it's because she's white. If I'm hard, where'd you go? If I'm hard on black Joyce, she can say, hey, listen, we got a white Joyce Harris and we got a black Joyce Harris. If I'm hard on this, she can say, well, it's because I'm a woman. Uh, no. Uh, and then she can say, well, it's because uh, I'm white. Well, I go over here. Well, she's a woman, too. She ain't white. She can say it's because. Listen, if you've got a sensitivity issue in you and somebody steps on it, it's going to be painful for you. If I took salt right now and I poured it all over this part of my hand, it'd just roll off on me. But if I cut it first, and then poured salt on it. How many of y'all know that's a different story? You see, the truth and life will cause you to hurt where you already hurt. And if somebody touches it, it'll hurt even worse. So Mercury Morris, he was the original Thomas. He was, he was drugged out, cracked out, 
He, he was the first, I hate white America, big voice. He was hating white America with Muhammad Ali, and, and he hated Don Shula because Don Shula represented everything that Mercury Morris hated about white America. Y'all like, what's this got to do with Jesus? Keep listening. And they put a microphone in. Oh, Mercury Morris old right now, feeble, can't barely walk. Listen, we, we've, we've lived long enough. Me and you could outrun Mercury Morris and beat him up in a street fight. He's one of the greatest athletes that ever lived. And he, they interviewed Mercury Morris at this party at Don Shula's house. He said, oh, I hated Coach Shula. He said, truth be told, I, I hated all white people. He said, well, I really hated Coach because he, 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 he was so hard on everybody. and He was demanding, and he wanted to tell me what to do. And I wasn't, I wasn't one of them young brothers to be told what to do. And he was one of the first generation of outspoken people like that. Um, most people don't typically love the leader until they're looking back on the leader. Hated in life, but memorialized in death. Mercury Moore said, I look back on our days then, Coach Shula was a father to me. I never had a father. He was a real father to me. He told me no when I needed to be told no. He told me I was stupid when I needed to be told I was stupid. He told me to shut up and do what I'm told when I needed to hear shut up and do what I'm told. He said, but in the moment, as, as a 25-year-old black man in 1972 white America, uh, I was not, he, he said, but he has proven to me. He says, I look back over my life, and he had a great testimony. The struggles he went through personally after football, the one person in life that was there for him was Coach Shula. The struggles he went through when he lost loved ones in life, the one person that was always there for him was Coach Shula. See, you don't, you don't always embrace. And you notice as an athlete, sometimes the coach just seems like a jerk. Every player, I watched another documentary, every player from Steve Kerr on down said they hated Michael Jordan's guts. He was the meanest teammate they'd ever had. But when they look back on it, that's when they played with him. But when they look back on it, they all admitted he never asked us to do anything he didn't do, and he outworked all of us, and he just wanted us to win. What am I saying? Peter was the leader for sure, but he wasn't, a, he wasn't the Lord's favorite. Peter was the leader for sure, but he wasn't the Lord's best friend. Peter was the leader for sure, but even Peter was jealous of John because remember when Jesus told Peter, you are going to follow me to the end. You're right, boy. You, 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 when everybody else don't, you will. He said, you're going you're gonna to die the same way I die. He said, I'm, I'm going to be crucified. You're going to be crucified too. Gonna, he said, when you were young, you came and went as your own, but there's going to day come when you're old, they're going to pick you up, take you to a place you don't want to be. And the Bible says he said this speaking of the manner of the death that Peter would suffer. Jesus told him that. And, and what did Peter do? Peter, Peter talked all that big noise about, ah. He was saying from his chest, I'm the only non-coward in this room, Jesus. All the rest of these people are going to leave you, but I'm never going to leave you. I'll still be stepping. And he was all swollen up and, 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 and pounding his chest till Jesus told him what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden he's like, hmm. That ain't a good finish for me. And then he said this. Now, you got to be, are there any men in the room over, over no, any African-American men in the room over 60? Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's four. You, 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 uh, you, you might remember uh, this two-letter word. Y'all don't know nothing about this other young people over here. Pete, Peter, if, if this was, was modern-day speak off Avenue B, Peter, Peter in, in my mind, that's how I hear it. Because uh, I grew up in the streets. He, he looked at Jesus. He said, what about your oi? You don't remember that, do you, Rayon? 
Uh, you, you remember that, don't you, Terry? Uh, okay. He said, what about you? Oh, Jesus told him, don't you worry about John. I got my own plan for John. I got a plan for you, and I got a plan for John. You want to know how deep John, John wasn't just his oi. He wasn't just his ace. Uh, uh, I hate to say ace kung boon in front of a room full of people that don't, might not understand. He was his best friend. And he was the only disciple of the Lord that didn't die a gruesome, graphic, horribly violent, painful death. He died an old man, full of life and full of years. John had such a relationship with Jesus. Nobody on this planet ever knew Jesus the way John. You don't know my sister the way I know her. You don't know me the way she knows me. And nobody knew Jesus the way John did. Our book of the month is 1 John. I said all that. I wasted my whole time preaching this morning to try to get you to understand John loved Jesus and Jesus loved John. And John knew some stuff about Jesus. And he wanted to tell people about him. Every year, God gives me a word to focus on for the, for the, for the new year. A motto for the year, a slogan, a, a thought. And I lay in, in, in prayer and I ask God every year, show me what you want us to focus on in the coming year, God. And I have tried to change this. I called Dean on the phone when God gave it to me. And I said, I asked you, you think God would be mad if I unworded some of this? It's wordy. We can't fit this on one line. It's the longest uh, statement we've ever had for a word for the year, our focus for 2024. Uh, you don't have to write it down. You come again, you might hear me say it again. Listen to it, though. This is long. It's, it's, it's going to be on the screen. Exposing the misconceptions and teaching the truth about the one true God from his holy word. Dina said, and I, well, I asked her, I said, you, you think I could just say teaching the truth about God and make the exposition on it? And she said, yeah, I think that'd be okay. I thought, I thought cool, because that's, that's too much to say. Every mission statement ought to be uh, uh, simple, self-explanatory, and easy to repeat. This, this is not. But God wouldn't let me get away from it, because I've been teaching the truth about God for 42 years. But the purpose that we're going to go into uh, this year, not just teaching the truth about God, but from a place of exposing the misconceptions that people have about God. Like what? Like white people thinking he's white. Well, you already told us he wasn't white, Pastor. Well, you need to hear it again, especially if you're white. Especially if you got a picture, a white picture of Jesus anywhere in your possession. It is impossible that Jesus Christ who was born in Bethlehem, lived his life in Capernaum, was baptized in the Jordan River, and died on a hill called Calvary in the Middle East. It is impossible that that man was white with blonde hair and blue eyes. That's impossible. Tell y'all how they'd say it on Florida Avenue. Miss me with that nonsense. Miss me with that. Go anywhere. Go, I dare you. Go to a Christian bookstore this week. Walk in and try to look at a picture of the Lord's Supper. What you got? Whitey and 12 Whitey. 
I tell you what, take a plane ride. My son just came back from Jordan. He flew over there as, uh, on a special detail wearing his James Bond government-bought black suit with his little earpiece in and his little microphone in his cuff and his Glock tucked inside his jacket to, to be the special guard to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. He just came back from Jordan. He heard the bombs blowing up over there, and he can tell you he was the whitest thing he saw all week. Jesus wasn't white. I got to say it. Y'all know I'm going to say it. Wasn't black either. Now, you, you go on over to Edgewood. There's a Christian bookstore in Edgewood. Go on over to Edgewood. Go, go, go on to that Christian bookstore on Sutel. And you go back in, in the back left corner of that Christian bookstore on Sutel, and you look at their picture of Jesus with 12 people sitting around him. Guess what you got? You got the loud. And his 12 home boys. Afro, just like, just like that, just afroed out. It's impossible that Jesus had an afro. Afro, listen, I'm going to help some of y'all. First off, it's a continent, not a country. That I already told you the answer. Where afro came from, it's a continent, not a country. And the first two letters are the same as Afro. Where do you think Afros came from? Africa. <laughs> Jesus wasn't born in Africa. He was a Jew born in Bethlehem to descendants of King David who was thousands of years before him living in the Middle East. Who we got? We got we got either either Kelly, or we 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 got our beautiful Filipino couple. That that's that's the tone. That's the skin tone. If you want to know what Jesus looked like, uh, you don't even you don't even have to know what Hebrew people really look like. Um, if you're from 103rd Street, you can say it this way: He was light skinned. That's funny, ain't it, Ram? Because you're sitting next to a woman who's light-skinned. <laughs> There's so many misconceptions about the Lord, especially in America. Americans have, instead of worshiping the creator for who he is, we have been determined to worship, to turn God into what we want him to be and not to accept him for who he is. I got, a lot of, I got a lot of African-American pastor friends. They have turned God into a, a social justice warrior who only cares about the poor. Well, the greatest Christian to ever live was the Apostle Paul, and he wasn't poor. The father of all three major religions in the world is Father Abraham, recognized by Islam, Judaism, and Christianity as the progenitor of every uh, race and, and, and faith. He was the richest man in the world. The first book in the Bible written chronologically, eight people in the room know. Somebody tell the rest of them. Job. I thought Genesis was the, Genesis is the first book pieced together. The oldest manuscript that's included in our Bible is the book of Job. Job was the richest man in the whole planet. God loved him. God loved Solomon. 
Solomon, God said about King Solomon that never before and never after would anybody be as rich as him or as wise as him. If your whole view of God, I had a pastor tell me years ago, he, he said, well, I wish there were more white churches. I said, well, I, I, I'm not in a white church. Ours is kind of beige, brown, rotten on the outside. Uh, he said, you know what I mean. Um, he said, I, I wish more people with your, melan, with your lack of melanin could, un, uh, could understand that the center of the gospel, at the heart of the gospel, is social justice for the oppressed. They try to make God into what they want God to be. Social gospel is not the heart of the gospel. Social justice and, 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 and helping the oppressed is not the heart. The heart of the gospel is that God loves his creation and sent his son to die for them, suffer, bleed, be crucified, buried, and raised to the third day so anybody who wants salvation can have salvation. You got these Republicans that have, that have tried to turn God into, into some political figure uh, with, with this far-right evangelical. The largest group of voters for Republican people are extreme evangelical fundamental white people. And you know what they think about God? That he's just as mean as they are. Are you talking about me? You tell me. Am I talking about you? You were okay when I, I said that, that, that certain Democrats want to turn God into some social justice campaigner, activist. Yeah, but, but now all of a sudden I've been swung over to your side of the fence. Listen, God is not a Republican and God is not a Democrat. God's not an American. God doesn't have to do. Listen, if he has to be what you want him to be, because that's the heart of all these misconceptions. White people want him to be white so they can relate to him. Black people want him to be black so they can relate to him. We, we got, I, I got a book. This dude gave me, I threw it in the trash can. He gave me a book that tried to say that white America are the true Jews and, and the lost tribes of Israel. Uh, that, that's, that's less popular than the theory. Every black person in this room, you got somebody in your family that, that believes in the black Hebrew National Party and that black people are the, tr are the true Israelites. Black people are the true Africans. White, white, white people are the true Caucasians. Hebrews are Hebrews. We got all these myths. Why do people make these misconceptions? Because they want God to be like them. Every hard-hearted, screaming, us for and no more, hell hot, and you're going to die and bust hell wide open, mean-spirited pastor, they believe God's just as mean-spirited as they are. And every left-wing, liberal, weak-minded, jelly-back, milk-toast, no-gospel-preaching, coward, heretic, homosexual in the pulpit who, who got his, his husband... Uh, boyfriend with him believes that God in God's mind that well God is a God of love and love is love trying to turn God into something that you can relate to will give you a false concept of God that's why God said up front before he said don't kill don't steal before he said to keep the Sabbath before he said to honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment we promise. Before he said that, he said, don't make any carved image of me. You draw a picture of God or Jesus, here's what you've done. You made him less than what he is. You couldn't draw a picture to look like God. 
You draw him to look like the way you want him to look like. You build a statue about God. You have blasphemed him. You violated one of the, one of, one of the Ten Commandments. And you've put a false representation out of him. Well, what does God look like? God's a spirit. God don't even have flesh and bones. Got all these people, all these people leaving the Lord's church right now. There's a whole group of, of lesbian women. Let me tell you something. If you're a lesbian, I ain't no more mad at you than I am at people who gossip. Homosexuality is no bigger of a sin than overeating, okay? But overeaters don't typically hold signs up and scream at everybody and demand their rights for overeating. Just That's just a side note. They're usually not violent about their passion. They just eat their steak in quiet and just stay fat. I'm, I'm including me. But we got these people out there that refuse to call God he or father. We had a woman in our church. I finally had to stop her. She was in our intercessory prayer ministry, and every time it would be her turn to pray, uh, she would just, oh, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And I finally asked her, because she was country. I asked her off to the side one night after prayer. I said, are you saying Jesus or Jesus? She, oh, you caught that. I ain't stupid. I just look this way. I can't. I said, yeah, I caught that. She said, well, I've been, I, 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 I'm not actively practicing right now, but I've been in lesbianism my whole lifestyle. And I can't relate to a man God. So I see, I see God as a woman. Now, if you want to get down to brass tacks, I just told you God is a spirit. The Bible says God hath not flesh and bones. He's a spirit. In heaven, you think you're going to be a man or a woman in heaven? I know this. You're not going to be having sex in heaven. You're not going to be married in heaven. The Bible tells us that. Although God is not a human, God, listen, I could almost get with somebody, not but almost get with somebody that says God is genderless in his essence because God is a spirit, not a human. But he chose to reveal himself to us as a father, not a mother. He chose to reveal himself to us in human form. The Bible says that Jesus is the physical, visible image of the invisible God. And Jesus was a man. So you got all these lesbians out there want to turn Jesus and in, 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 want to turn God in, into some feminine, non-gender entity because that makes more sense to them. If you're trying to get God to make sense to you and you're trying to make him into something, you're going to be in for a hoot over these next few messages because I'm going to take every misconception. Uh, listen, if you, have, if you have had a child in our youth department at any point in the last decade, uh, your, your kids have already had some fantastic teaching. Elder Keon has been exposing the lies of cultural uh, Issues in, in regard to how it impacts Christians today. I know that's a weak way of saying what you say, but he takes cultural issues. He takes things that people try to say about God and what this culture wants God to be, and he's been telling our kids forever. He's been trying to get them to have a biblical worldview and to see things about God through the Bible and not through cultural lies, and we're going to work on that here in big church 
as long as God will give us time. But if you don't hear nothing, hear this. God ain't who you want him to be. I have, I have had people tell me, well, Pastor, uh, I just, you know, the Republican Party or the Democrat Party had a vote. And they did. It's on YouTube. They had a vote where they voted to take God out of their whole platform. And the vote passed. Yeah, that happened. And then they said, do you really, you know, the, 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 the Democrats are the ones that took prayer out of schools. The Democrats are the ones that started the Klan. The Democrats are the ones that had started Jim Crow. The Democrats were the segregationists. The, the Democrats uh, took the Ten Commandments off the courthouse. All true, all true, all true, all true. And then they said, do you honestly believe somebody could be a Democrat and go to hell? You better believe it. You better believe it. It got nothing to do with your with your political persuasion. I've had people to say the same thing on the other side. Pastor, you really think these Republicans can go to heaven? You know, they don't care nothing about people. Most of them racist. True. Mo, mo, most of them only care about rich people. True. Most people got more m- care more about capitalism and a business mindset than hurting people around. All true, 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 and true. And then they say, all oh, y'all mad at me. Well, if y'all can see the looks in my face, boy, y'all be glad my gun's in my desk right now. <laughs> I wouldn't shoot all of you. Boy, y'all looking at me like, you, can, you know, I already told y'all, Wayne ain't about to let y'all beat me up in here. That just ain't going to happen. Rayon, you ain't going to let these people beat me up, are you? That ain't going to happen. Be mad all you want to. I'm telling the truth. He said, do you really believe? That, that these people that don't love hurting folk, that don't love people that look like them, that don't, blah, blah, blah. Are, are, you really believe a Republican could, could be saved? Of course. Salvation ain't got nothing to do with your social justice activist political mindset. Hear me when I say it. God is bigger than the social constraints on America. Well, I couldn't serve a God uh, who... who then don't. Then don't. I, people want to say, well, if, if that's who God is, I can't serve him. Then don't. Stop, stop don't, not knowing what you don't know. And find out who God really is. Think about this. What if majority, majority of people in our church are Democrats? What if Jesus came in here right now and said, surprise, I'm a Republican. Black Joyce just gasped. <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if he came in to, 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 uh, to one of these Unitarian churches that are all gay people, and he said, I don't support homosexuality. They'd stop serving him. What, what if Jesus came in here and, 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 and looked at everybody in the face and, 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 and all the, to all the Republicans and he said, oh, and by the way, I'm a dyed-in-the-wool, true-blue Democrat. Could you serve him? Would you love him if you found out he was a different, different political lean than you? Would you lo- See, I've told you all before, you, you, if you know me, you know, I'm so glad that God don't look like me, that God don't think like me, that God doesn't have to be what I am 
to be who he is because if he was what I am, then he wouldn't be worth my time and he certainly wouldn't be worth my worship and I couldn't worship and adore and serve somebody who wasn't better than me. I got no problem knowing God is better than me. If, if, if we get to heaven and, 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 and God is shaded closer to Rayon than to Kelly, they ain't going to phase me none. Some of y'all be like, oh, man. Some of y'all be like, yes, I knew he was black. Why does he have to be like what you like to be worth loving? We're going to talk about that. But right now, I'm going to give you these four verses real quick and get out of here. John is inspired by God in 1 John chapter 1. It's our book of the month. I want you to read it this month. He said, we. We is a very specific group when we find it in this context. Anybody know who we is? I've told you a hundred times. Almost always, right? Us and we is Christians. They and them is non-Christians. But when an apostle is writing something specific from a, from a position of apostleship to the body of Christ in general, somebody that's listening to me, tell us who we is. It's the apostles. He said, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. If you think Jesus uh, started to exist 2,000 years ago in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, then you bought into American Christmas and you don't know the true God. He said Jesus existed from the beginning. He, it's so funny. He started his gospel the same way. When he said in, in the first chapter, the first verse of God, the gospel of John, um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning and the word was God and the word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. He said, Jesus existed from the beginning. Not God. We'll see in a minute. He's talking about Jesus. He said, whom we have heard and seen. See, here, John is writing to people that never saw Jesus with their own eyes. That's us. But he's writing to people in his time frame that came, on, came along the scene after Jesus had gone. And he's like, y'all didn't see him, but we saw him. Y'all didn't, y'all never put your arms around him. We, we touch him. We, 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 we telling you, and this, this is why sometimes I'll say it, and it makes sense to me, and I hope it makes sense to you. It's one thing to tell people what you learned. It's one thing to tell people what you read. It's one thing to tell people what you heard, but it's another thing to tell people what you know. When you hear me say, I, I, I'm not telling you what I heard, I'm telling you what I know. They're explaining to this group of people that had never seen Jesus, like us, that they had seen him. They heard him with their own ears. They saw him with their own eyes. The apostles, they, they, they said, we saw him with our own eyes, and we touched him with our own hands. And then he made this great statement that I don't have time to explain. He said, he is the word of life. Oh, they knew about Jesus, and they were teaching people about Jesus. And in, in verse 2, he said, This is the one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then was revealed to us. So now we understand he's talking about who, the one who was from the beginning. He didn't say if that was Jesus or God, but now he reveals the subject 
of his writing as Jesus. He was the one who was with the Father and was revealed to first the apostles, and then they believed, uh, they taught us the words of God. They saw, we believe. Remember what Jesus said when, when somebody th- told him they feel so blessed because now they've seen with their own eyes? He said, he said, you believe because you've seen, but more blessed are the ones who have not seen and yet believe. If you're a Christian in this room right now, you're in the more blessed category than the apostles because you believe in what you haven't seen. But you believe it just like you've seen it. There ain't no way in the world that I already, I already swole John up as big as I can swell him for y'all today. I already bragged on him as much as I can brag on him. But he didn't believe in Jesus no more than I believe in Jesus. And no more than some of y'all believe in Jesus. He may have touched him. He may have seen him. He may have heard him with his own ears. But he wasn't no more real to John than he is to me and at least five other people in this room. I wish somebody would act like they know who he is. Verse 3, he said, we, coming from apostolic authority again, people who saw Jesus, we proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard. And then he gives the reason why. So, because that you may have fellowship with us. Listen, if you reject the mouthpiece of God in your life, you can't embrace God. The Bible says God won't do anything but he first reveal it to his prophets. The Bible says that if you believe in the Lord, in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, if you believe in the Lord, you will be established. That's how you get into heaven, by believing in the Lord. But the last part of that verse says, if you believe in his prophets, you will prosper. Every bit of your prosperity in this life, you can't get saved by the voice of a, of a, of a man or a woman who teach the word of God to you, but every bit of your prosperity in this life. It ain't about the next life. The next life, believe in God. You, you're established in heaven forever. Believe in his prophets and you'll prosper. Every bit of your prosperity in this life is linked to your willingness to hear the words of God from someone else and, and believe that God is using them to speak to you. If you're not on with God's plan, well, I don't believe I need a person to, to talk. I know God for myself. You don't know God at all because he said he gave us the five-fold ministry so that we could grow up in Christ. And, it, and those people were trying to pull away from the apostles and start their own stuff. There ain't nothing without the apostles. The Bible says that our very faith is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus being the cornerstone. We got all these songs saying about he is the cornerstone and they need to be sung because he is the big piece. But there is no Christianity without apostles and prophets. The Bible says that's the foundation. Without John, without God using John to tell other people then this, 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 this story would not be what it was. And when they started to pull away from the prophets and start their own little things, denominations, divided nations, groups that don't like what they're being told, so they go start their own thing like Americans. Oops. They were trying to separate themselves from the very apostles who were the only ones telling the truth. And he told them, look, I'm telling you this. I proclaim, we, me and Peter, 
And Paul, we, we're telling you these things. We've seen him. Paul saw him on the road to Damascus. The others saw him hand to hand. He said, we've seen him. And you need to be able to fellowship with us. Man, go ahead. Go ahead and, 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 and try to, listen, if you're, if you're not Michael Jordan, it won't work for you. Go ahead and try to get on a team where you hate the coach and all your players and you don't do what anybody tells you to do and, 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 unless you're the greatest one-on-one -on -one offensive threat ever known to man, uh, the answer, Allen Iverson, and, and you, you better show up to practice. Go ahead and be a guy that thinks you don't have to do anything that the organization tells you to do, and you can still be close to God. That ain't how Christianity works. When they started to pull away from the apostles, they said, look, we, 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 we're the ones that know what we're talking about in the room. We saw him. We heard him. We're trying, we're trying to help you. We're trying to proclaim this to you so you can fellowship with us. Well, what's, what's special about fellowshipping with apostles? He said, because our fellowship's with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. If there was a concert downtown that you wanted to get in today that was been sold out for 20 years, you can go down there and try to scalp a ticket. But if I know the artist, and that's my cousin, and I know the head of security, and I say, look, you want to go? Come with me. I get in on my own. Say less. Don't get in on your own. But you can't. The thing that makes it special about listening to the voice of, of, of God through his manservant John is John's the one that knows what he's talking about. He's got the access. He's got the hookup. You'll be better off when Jake was in uh, Lagos, Nigeria uh, as an embassy guard for the United States Embassy in Lagos, Nigeria. He dated Miss Lagos. Just, she was a, a year back. I think she was like 2020. One or twenty twenty two, but uh, she was she was the beauty queen of all. Uh, uh, so all y'all y'all some of y'all think y'all got African queens. My son had an African queen. Um, that's funny. Uh, he said, "Dad, she knows everybody in this whole country. We we walked we walked past velvet ropes. She got me into every art museum. We didn't pay for anything. Why 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 was he? You think he could have got there without her?" About a 160-pound white dude in, in Lagos, Nigeria, that looked at him like he was great back in the line. But when he was on her arm, she had the real hookup. And all he had to do was hang with her to get in every door and every fancy party in Nigeria. They said, look, we, we want y'all to be friends with us. We want y'all to hang out with us. We want y'all to fellowship with us. We want y'all to listen to us because our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. I'm over time, and I'm not even going to ask you why you think that says that. I'm just going to tell you. Because John was telling them people the same thing that I'm going to spend this year telling people. You think you know God. But you might have some misconceptions. These people were developing misconceptions about who God really was. John had no misconception about who God really was. They were trying to start their own stuff, divide, and say, well, we'll just start our own. He, he was trying to let them know, look, we want you to fellowship with us, not because we're special and not because we're even necessary, but because we're the ones who fellowship with the Father. You really believe, listen, the, the Ku Klux Klan 
is, is, is the, probably the most hateful, racist, horrible organization in the history of America, and it was started inside a church. In a church. You had to be a church member to join the clan. You think God really was with that? No, but these hard-headed, redneck, Baptist, uh, ignorant, racist people, they thought, well, it's a Christian organization. And, and you can go back and look at old tapes. They thought it was a Christian organization because they required you to be a member of a church. The Masonic Temple requires you to be a member of a church. That don't make it a Christian organization. All these people, would he, he, he let them know, look, here's why it's important, and you hang with us. Because we got the access. We got the open door. We know who he really is, and we're not going to lead you wrong. And so he would tell them, look, here's what's special about hanging with the apostles. We're the ones really hanging out with Jesus, and we can get you to where you want to be. Because you try on your own, you might develop misconception. Verse 4 said, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. We are writing these things so you may fully share our joy. Other, other translations say, or other versions say, we write these things unto you so that your joy might be full. Coming to church ain't going to give you full joy. Having misconceptions about the one true God is not going to get you to full joy. Anytime you hear somebody, and I've met them many by, over the last 40 years, well, I'm an intellectual pastor. I'm a studious person by nature. I absorb information at a high level. And I study all Anytime you hear somebody say that they study all religions, know one thing for sure. You're dealing with a fool. Because the Bible said a fool who said in his heart there is no God. Let me tell you something. If you go and you sample two or three different pieces of ice cream, they let you get that little spoon and you're like, mm, no, that ain't me. <laughs> hey, now, what are y'all cut? Yep, that's what I want. Give me two scoops of that on a, on a, on a uh, chocolate waffle cone. Because that's the only way to eat ice cream. Once you found the one... Ain't no need for searching anymore. Ain't no need for searching. And here's letting them know. We're writing you these things so that you can share the joy that we have. Well, that tells me joy is on different levels. That tells me different people have different access to different levels of joy. If you're reading the King James, it says, so that your joy may be full. They had full joy because they had full understanding of who God is. And the people that don't know what they don't know, they're like, well, I have joy too. Not full joy. Well, I got some joy. Okay. What I, I didn't say you didn't have some joy. The fullness of joy. A joy that is unspeakable. The Bible says, and, and full of glory. A peace that goes beyond any human reasoning. Know who God really is the way the apostles did. Until you know the God that of the apostles, then you know the God of America. You know the God of the Baptist church. 
You know the God of the charismatic church. You know the God of the Episcopal church. You know the God of the Unitarian church. These ain't, these ain't, and uh, none of those people are the one true and living God. It's what they've tried to make him believe. Do you know inside the Baptist church, there are over 75 different distinctions of Baptists? Free will Baptists. Some of y'all would like free will Baptists. I only meet one Sunday a month. <laughs> free will Baptists. Primitive Baptists. Independent Baptists. Southern Baptists. And that's just white people. I ain't even got over into general congregational Baptists. That's code for the largest black Baptist group denomination in the country. Why are there over 75 different types of Baptists in the world today? Because they heard something they didn't like. They're like, no, 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 no. What, what, what's that church that's breaking apart right now over this homosexual issue? Um, Presbyterian, Presbyterians are doing it. Methodists are doing it. Anglicans are doing it. The Catholics are doing it now because this Pope, listen, raggediest Pope in the history of the world. Tell him I said so. And you're like, well, Pastor, you're just bashing Catholics. No, I was born a Catholic. I was, christened, I was christened a Roman Catholic in the first week of my life. And, and, and I, I love Mother Teresa, and I love Pope John Paul II. And I was in Mexico when he died, and I watched thousands of women in black dresses with black veils screaming and crying day and night walking the streets of Mexico over El Papa. But this Pope we got now, or the Pope the world has now, he, ain't no, he, he don't love Jesus. He's jacked up in his mind. Now, now, not only saying, listen, they, they already said that the same thing you hear me say, homosexuality ain't any worse than lying. And they're like, we're not going to hate people based on what, what, you know, this, this stuff. They still come to the cross. Everybody can come to the cross. But now they, they've leapfrogged it now. They, they, then they embrace same-sex marriage inside the church. Originally they said, well, they can get married, but, you know, we don't want them to get married in the church uh, under the blessing of the priest. Uh, and now they're like, they can be priests and marry people in the church. So what happens every time one group does something that some people in the group don't like, they just break off and start a new denomination. There's two types of Presbyterian. Presbyterian one of the smallest denominations in the world. There's two types of them, though. There's two types of Church of God in Christ. Uh, Church of God in Christ Cleveland and Church of God in Christ that nobody wants to be talked about. Why do, they, why do they have all these different groups? Because every time the one group says, you know, God is for homosexual marriage, and they're like, oh, we don't believe that. We're going to start our own thing. And then one group says, you know, we really should stand with the civil rights movement um, because the Bible says that God blesses you when you give to the poor and God himself will repay you. And then some stiff-necked, uh, extreme right-wing uh, crazy person uh, says, mm, they, they sound like they're going down that welfare road. We don't want to be. And then they go start their own group. Everybody wants to keep per divide, divide. Because here's what the devil knows. The devil knows the Bible. The devil knows that in Psalm 133, God said that the place of unity is where God commands the blessing. Dr. King, probably the smartest civil rights leader in the history of the world. Dr. King knew what was coming. They were turning dogs and hoses on Dr. King. He outthought them. You know how Dr. King outthought them? He had some 
what were at that point derogatorily by white racists in America called sympathizers. The civil rights movement had some sympathizers. That, that was white people with a heart. That was white people with a brain. That was white people that believed all humans were worthy of dignity and respect. And so what Dr. King did, he didn't, he took the white people that were marching with them, and guess what Dr. King did? Look at the pictures. Dr. King took the oldest white women that showed up to every rally, and he put one on each side of them. And he said, because these hillbillies ain't going to turn dogs loose on these 50-year-old white women. And guess what? He was right. And they stopped turning dogs and fire hoses on people because Bubba couldn't stand to hit Granny in the face with, with, with destructive, uh, powerful water that could blind her. People, so people started making different denominations. And it goes for every level. We got a new Black Panther Party right now. More violent than the old Black Party. Every, just divide, divide, divide. Why? Because the devil knows that when you divide people, you make them weak. But when you unite people, you make them strong. The only reason Dr. King civil rights movement was able to take hold is because he embraced unity where Malcolm X embraced isolation and segregation. And his movement died off and Dr. King's movement lives today. You got to learn how to embrace people. You got to learn how to love people. You can't get so mad every time somebody says, well, I don't agree with that. I'm going to go start my own thing. Let me tell you this and I'm done. If you are a take your ball and go home, every time your feelings get hurt, well, I'm triggered. I'm triggered. Microaggressions. What? A microaggression? Do you even know what the word micro means? Not even seeable? So tiny I can't even see it? That's going to trigger, trigger, trigger you to the point where you want to separate and go do your own thing? I like what one person said. Well, what, what do we say to all these easily triggered people? Buy a helmet because life's hard. If that's you, you're never going to have fullness of joy. If you get wired up, if you're in here and, and, and you're white and you get wired up, well, I, 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 just, I just look what black people have done to our major cities. You ain't never going to have fullness of joy focusing on the wrong thing. If you're in here and you're black, well, I'm just tired of being in this white country for white people. You ain't never going to have fullness of joy because you're focusing on the wrong thing. Well, I just hope we don't elect another, another, another Democrat because, look, gas prices have tripled, mortgage rates have tripled, the borders. You ain't never going to have fullness of joy because you're focusing on the wrong thing. Well, I hope we don't let Orange back in. He's you're never going to have fullness of joy because you're focusing on the wrong thing. Focus on what God told us through his apostles. I'm going to tell you a different way to say it. Focus on what God says to us in that book that he used apostles and prophets to write to us. Because that's the truth about God. Everything else is a misconception. And a misconception will take you far from this very last part. This is what God inspired John to show as the purpose. What's the purpose of agreeing with a religious point of view that you might not might not 
actually feel good about it. Well, I don't believe in the tithe. Well, Jesus said in, in Matthew 23, 23, you must tithe. Well, I don't believe it. You'll never have fullness of joy because you're putting your thought above that book. Some of you come to church every time the door's open. You're so depressed, you can't, you, you can't hardly make it from day to day. Some of y'all come to church every time the door's open. You're bound by all types of addictions, emotions you can't fake, addictions you can't break. Some of y'all come to church every time the door's open. You're filled with bitterness and unforgiveness and rage and hate and misery. Because it's only when you embrace the truth about the one true God from what his revealed word says that you can have full joy. Throw away every conception you've got about God that you don't have a chapter and a verse for. Because the apostles, their joy was full. Because they knew the truth. Learn the truth from the book. And then God will become more to you than the church. God will become more to you than a set of rules and regulations. God will become more to you than somebody who's needling you and your opinion. Listen, if it triggers you, he says he's better now. I like to pick on him because he, he was open and revealed the fact that uh, Jimmy Rich, the longest standing elder in our church history, wave at him, Jimmy. Real problem with road rage. He drives a big old F-250. He's talking about, Pastor, I just want to crash into him. They, 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 they see I'm, dry, I'm carrying this big old flatbed heavy trailer full of stuff, and they, they cut in front of me in shorts. I just want to push them into the intersection. How many of y'all know that's ungodly, hateful, and that ain't what the Lord wants for his followers? Well, it's just how he made If your excuse is this how he made me and not I need to repent and be how he wants me, you're never going to have real joy in Christ. Whatever it is, love your enemies. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I know you can't have fullness of joy. That's what I know. Because you're not doing what the book says. Choose what the book says over what your feelings say. Choose what the book says over what your politics say. Choose what the book says over what your race say. Choose what the book says over what your income or the economy of them. Choose what the book says over what Fox News says. And CNN News. The only reason God had them to write this book is so that we could fellowship with the true and living God who would make our joy full. Had, I told y'all they had to stop singing songs in, in the church. They should, should still be being sang. We used to drag it all through the whole thing. I got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. And then we go, I got love like a river. I've got love like a river. And then we go to the next stanza. I got joy like a river. And then we break it down into the final stanza. I got peace, love, and joy like a river. I've got peace, love, and joy like a river. I've got peace, love, and joy like a river in my soul. Can't even sing that in the church anymore. Why? Because what we got is pain. Mental illness, depression, anxiety, social problems, hatred for our brother. What we don't have is this full share of joy. Every generation of Christians before this one, God was enough. Because they got their concept 
about God from that book. And the concept about God from that book is that he will love you no matter how much wrong you've done. He will accept you into his family and make a way for you to live forever in heaven. And that was enough. But then liars started saying, sow a $100 seed right now. And God going to give you double for your trouble. God been watching you. Every tear you cried, he bottled up in heaven. And he going to pour out. And we started chasing money. Now we got a prosperity gospel. We got a prosperity gospel that says they're teaching us about a Jesus who said he doesn't have a house or a place to lay his head. Only thing he owned was the clothes on his back. And we got a prosperity gospel talking about houses and lands and driving jets and Bentleys. Can you see the misconception? Oh, we got a healing gospel. God's going to heal you if you believe right. You think the Apostle Paul didn't believe right? He consistently saw God to heal him. And God finally told him, my grace is enough. He never got his physical healing this side of heaven. But it didn't bother him a bit. Because he was looking for heaven. When my ship going to come in? When God going to bless me? When I'm going to be on easy street? misconception he didn't write us this book so we could have material wealth physical health emotional stability all of it's part of it but it's not the big part he wrote us this book so we could truly have fellowship with him and have real joy I'm way over time long as I preach in a while I love you God loves you I want you to throw away Everything you think that you think that you know about God. But if you don't have a chapter and verse that fully proves it, not I ain't talking about something you twist and take out of context to make you make it say what you want it to say. I'm talking about the fully revealed plan of God according to his word. That's how you get your joy right. Then you'll be able to say with the ancients, I reckon the suffering of this life is not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed. Do you know our grandmother's washed clothes? People talk about, I'm so tired from washing all these kids' clothes. You're pushing buttons and putting them in a machine. Our grandparents washed clothes. They suffered. They, they blood, bled their knuckles on washboards. They, they, they cooked food. I watched my grandmother make, my, my mama, I love my mama. Every biscuit my mama ever made, she hit on the side of a counter and twisted it and peeled them, sticky them apart, put it on a baking sheet. My grandmama made biscuits in a bowl. They had a hard life, but God was enough. It was enough when they knew one glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. Heaven was enough. The hope of heaven in the future was enough that if, if they had pain and misery in this life, they were like, it's just for a little bit, baby. Trouble don't last always. God's coming back. Now, we want everything to fit our agenda. No joy in that. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Help us to love it. Help us to live it. Help us to obey it and honor it. As we love and obey you, you revealed yourself to us in this one book. God, I ask that you'd let us choose the truth of who you are over what we want you to be. Because you are who you are. 
And there is nothing about you that needs to change. There is nothing about you that can be improved upon. And we accept you as you are. Help us, God, to embrace the God of the Bible. And give us fellowship with you and each other so that we might experience the joy that you gave your son. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.